Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome into a Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on the Outkick Network. We are live from downtown Nashville, our studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. As you can see, I'm Chad Withrow, my partner in crime, Jonathan Hutton. Not here today, but good news for everyone. I've got another partner in crime. Her name is Kelly Stewart. She goes by Kelly in Vegas. She is live with us for the entirety of today's show. Always does a terrific job filling in for us here on Hot Mike, and she's with us right now. Kelly, how are you? Hey, Chad. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and it is Friday. It is Friday. We're going to bring some Friday energy, right? That's, that's the goal of the show. Bring some positivity. Bring Friday energy. To do that, Guns will join us in studio. That man always brings the energy. That's yes, coming up later in the show. Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic going to join us also. And big news, Kelly. Uh, we'll mention it now and let everybody know we're going to talk more about this with OutKick founder Clay Travis coming up in about 27 minutes. But the state of Tennessee has won the temporary injunction from Judge Clifton Corker against the NCAA. What does that mean? Essentially, the NCAA has to halt any type of investigations legislation, anything to do with NIL. So to the rest of America, you're welcome. My home state, the volunteer state, has vanquished the NCAA, at least for now. And we can stop with the nonsense and maybe get back to some actual rulemaking and legislation on how this is going to work and make it as fair as possible, as fair as major college sports can be, which we all know it's not truly all that fair. We'll talk about that with Clay Travis coming up. But Kelly, I wanted to open uh, on this with you. Um, you are a Kansas native. You know the Kansas City Chiefs fan base in the city of Kansas City very well. Tragedy hit that city with what happened at the Chiefs' victory parade. We find out that it's two people, 23 and 18 years old, that are charged uh, with the shooting and uh, that they did it with stolen guns. And then we find out after the fact, and I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but there are GoFundMe's set up for the shooters in this that had to be taken down. Kelly, I know you have thoughts on this tragedy and certainly thoughts on just how absurd it is that GoFundMe would allow this, that anyone would allow this, but that the mother of the shooter was trying to set up a situation where they could make money for someone who caused such harm and such a tragedy. Yeah, the literal audacity here, Chad, it, it's just mind boggling that you could be such a twisted, sick person because here we have an incident that happened uh, in what should be a celebratory time, right? I did not comment. I am typically one of those, you're going to see me never be quick to say a comment one way or another, because I always like to wait until the facts and the data come out. But the reality is here, whether this was gang related, whether this was an isolated incident between two individuals who 
apparently did not know each other and, and elected to open fire on a crowd of people. It is just absolutely disgusting. But as somebody who grew up in Kansas and somebody who knows the Kansas City area fairly well, there are and always have been some issues there, whether it be gang violence, gun violence, and just violence in general. And that's a really sad thing to see because here's the Chiefs who have won several Super Bowls over the last five years and should be celebrated. There are children that took the day off school. There are parents who took the day off work. They should not have to feel like they are in danger. And that is a real upsetting thing from anybody's perspective, but you are right. The, the way the media spun this almost immediately was disgraceful. They said that both guys were minors. They couldn't release the names. Now we know that neither are minors and that this was uh, you know, just one of those types of grotesque incidences where two men thought that it was okay to start shooting at one another in a crowded area. Their mothers should be really ashamed of themselves. A GoFundMe. I, I, I feel like I have to like hold back and I can feel the anger boiling up inside of me because unfortunately one woman lost her life, but several children were admitted to the hospital here. And I know that Taylor Swift donated money. I heard some different Chiefs players also donated money. I know uh, that Patrick Mahomes had went and visited these children in the hospital. But the the outrage should be towards these two men, nothing else. Uh, amen. And, and well said. And, uh, you know, outrage is, is the right word with a lot of this. But I think outrage can be used to describe our culture in so many ways. And what I get sick of, Kelly, and I like how you framed it as you wanted to wait until the facts came out before running off the mouth or commenting or firing something off on social media. But the rush to use a tragedy as your social media platform to espouse whatever you think needs to be done politically, right? Political means to end tragedies, okay? And I think people know where I'm going with this. When uh, Mina Kimes or um, uh, Andy Roddick or other media members immediately rush online and say, you know, we got to pass gun reform. Or this is going to keep happening. We're, we're got to pass gun reform. It's going to keep happening. I, I'm not here to get into a gun reform debate. Uh, I am a sound-minded individual that certainly would hope that insane people can't get a gun, right? There are laws in place that would hopefully prohibit that, and I want that to happen. I think everyone would. I think law-abiding, gun-carrying citizens would also like for that to happen, obviously, right? But this rush to judgment and almost rooting for something to happen that will properly color your argument in a way that's going to help you and help your argument. Kelly, we don't make a habit of naming the shooters when it's a mass shooting incident and it's someone either mentally ill or someone trying to make a name for themselves, themselves excuse me, <clears throat> or make some sort of statement. I, I will say the name of these two people. Lindell Mays, 23 years old. Dominic Miller, 18 years old. Why? Because it's two dudes with stolen guns that were shooting each other across a crowded area that cost the life of a mother of two and sent a bunch of kids into the hospital. Like that, that needs to be said also. Instead of those who immediately go to social media to pump their platform on gun control or getting laws passed that go silent after these facts are released. And that bothers me too. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right. And, and, and I mentioned not to pat myself on the back, 
for being correct about this specific incident because I've been wrong about others. But because everybody is so quick to put out something without knowing the facts until we've heard from the police department, until we've heard uh, from whether the people that were around there have to give uh, statements or testimonies, whether we know that people are alive. You know, I have several friends that live in the Kansas City area, and I had multiple group chats going absolutely crazy with, you know, upwards of more people killed, upwards of that that just absolute, there was a shooter on the roof. I mean, anything that people thought to tweet or were told, they just believed it. And that's an unfortunate part because I do think people are so quick to want to, as you mentioned, whether it's be right about something uh, agenda related, instead of just sitting back and waiting for things to kind of unfold. And now that we do know how things unfolded, I think we need to stop calling it a mass shooting. I think we need to call it for what it was. And that is whether this was gang related. Again, maybe this was money related. We don't know. According to a couple of sources, these men did not know each other. There was an isolated incident where there was some chirping back and forth. I'm not sure who started shooting first, but we know that shots were fired from both sides. And now to be able to say that and you Google what had happened. Oh, by the way, Chad, two men were just killed last night in a bar in Kansas City. And we're not getting the exact same outrage. Police in, in Kansas City, Missouri are looking for suspects and they have no answers. This is a problem that occurs all the time. And then having, as you mentioned, certain personalities from other media outlets try to use this for um, a platform to push whatever narrative they think they want to go to Chicago, watch WGN any night of the week, and you're going to hear this exact same story. Yeah, and it's uh, we're getting to the point where we're almost devaluing all these other stories of, of murders happening all over our country when you ignore them. I, I don't like people being so selective. Uh, the selective outrage about these types of stories really bothers me. And look, I'm all for open dialogue and discussion about how we can stop things like this happening, but you raise a good point that this is not what one would deem a mass shooting this appears by all accounts and all reports and the arrests made that it was more crossfire than anything else about uh, disagreement, about whatever the argument was. There were a lot of people caught in a crossfire uh, between these two guys, including a mother of two uh, and a beloved radio DJ in, in Kansas City. So a terribly, terribly sad story. And uh, I wanted to talk about that side of it that often isn't discussed, discussed and also mentioned that anyone uh, who would put out uh, a GoFundMe for the shooters and their medical bills, just disgusting in so many ways. Speaking of disgusting, Kelly, the NFL is disgusted. They're not going to have college football invading their territory. How dare college football schedule a playoff game on a Saturday, by the way, which is a day reserved usually for college football because the NFL has claimed Saturday, December 21st as their day. John Arand in his newsletter mentioned that now with the expansion of the college football playoff, there will be games on Friday and Saturday, Friday, December 20th, Saturday, December 21st. And he is saying NFL execs are mad that college football is infringing upon their territory because they're going to have a couple of games on that Saturday. To this, I say boo freaking who to the NFL. 
they might even win the ratings battle with this because the NFL wins everything in every ratings battle. So give me a break about them being upset with college football, having to schedule one of their playoff games on a Saturday. What do they want them to put it on a Tuesday? I mean, we all complain about the Super Bowl being so late on a Sunday night that we need President's Day now. I actually saw a hilarious tweet to move it to that Monday after Super Bowl and or move the Super Bowl. You're never going to make everybody happy. Look, during bowl season, Chad, all we did was complain that these bowl games don't matter. This bowl game is garbage because we've had eight opt-outs on this side and 12 on this side, and nobody cares. There was maybe six or seven bowl games that I thought were rather exciting. Now we're going to get a 12-team college football playoff, and now somebody else is mad about it. You're not going to make everybody happy here. And guess what? As those of us that have multiple TVs, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing on that Saturday. I'm going to be watching a little NFL, and I'm going to be watching a little college football. Yeah, I'm going to be watching both. And I think, honestly, if I'm the NFL, I'm thinking to myself, this is an amazing challenge. Can our, um, I'm thinking of the games this past year, our Bills-Chargers game, compete with a college football playoff game in their biggest moment can our late December regular season game compete or beat the college football playoff game the NFL beats everyone I mean everyone in ratings they should be looking at this as a challenge and not some desanctification of their holy day because they have two NFL games on a Saturday I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed for the NFL that they're being this weak-minded about it and not seeing it for the opportunity that it is right there in front of them to beat college football in their biggest moment or at least one of their biggest moments of the season. Speaking of opt-outs, look, how many of those Week 17, Week 18 games do we see from the NFL where we don't get to see the stars, right? You mentioned Bill's Chargers. That one got really dicey. Kills your gambling, by the way, when that happens. This is a big pet peeve of yours, I'm sure, for win-loss over-unders, for a lot of different things when when teams start sitting players. And I understand. Look, if you've already locked in the one seed, you've already locked in your position in the playoffs, why would you want to risk getting your multi-million dollar quarterback hurt? I completely understand that. But this is a chance to have a really good college football game. And as you know, college football is my first love. And uh, I think it's going to supersede. We'll we'll see. I think they can work it out timing-wise. The NFL, as you said, boo freaking who. Now you guys maybe have somebody that can hold a candle to you. You know, there's I, I label myself mostly an observer, right? I observe and react. I don't try to really root for one outcome. I want to see what the story is and discuss the story. And oftentimes, I root for the story over anything else, if, I, if I'm impartial about it. I will say I am rooting for America to watch this college football playoff more than the NFL games because I want to have a renewed faith in America that they understand that a do-or-die college football playoff early round game is more important than whatever's happening on December 21st in the NFL and that they automatically their minds can redirect to the more important sporting event and that television ratings actually reflects that so come on America I'm rooting for you here beat the NFL on this one day with this one sporting event head-to-head college football absolutely needs to win does college football win with Nick Saban no longer coaching at Alabama. We know he's going to be a big television presence, Kelly, on college game day as an analyst there. And now he's doing interviews with ESPN where he's talking about, I'd like to help 
in any way I can reform in college football and to help the sport. Not saying that he's looking for a job or that he wants to be the czar of the sport or the commissioner. Even mention that Greg Sankey or a commissioner would be better at that job than he is because he's not as familiar with the legal ins and outs of everything. But what do you think about Nick Saban's new role as TV analyst and I don't know what to call him, consultant for college football? I'm okay with Nick being a consultant. I think that's a great title. That's exactly how you can make a couple extra million dollars a year if you're Nick Saban. Hey, listen, I just thought he was going to ride off into the sunset with his Mercedes dealerships. He bought a house in South Florida. How could I be so naive? Of course, he's going to get right into media. I'm very excited to hear all of those great Nick Saban sound bites. I thought he did a great job this year on the show uh, McAfee. With McAfee, excuse me, he had some hilarious takes. I will say this. I don't know if the game passed him by, so I don't want to go that far. But I think with the NIL, the transfer portal, and things of that nature, I think Nick was getting very frustrated and thought, you know what? Now's a good time to ride out, win the SEC championship, beat Georgia, and a team that ultimately should have been the national champion probably, and just say, you know what? I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my life as an analyst and a consultant. I think it's going to be good for college football. Hey, as a K-State fan, as you can tell by the uh, basketball uh, court behind me, I would love to just have Nick Saban one weekend just come in and and give anyone on K-State's coaching staff just, you know, 30 minutes of his time and say, all right, here's what I'd be doing differently. Yeah, and I feel like the the college game day part of this, I love that because I would almost feel robbed – if Nick Saban, who is completely of sound mind and sound body still, and we see that all the time, but I'd feel robbed if we didn't get him weighing in on the big stories and issues of the day in college football, right? I kind of feel that way and felt that way about Peyton Manning. I'm thinking if Peyton Manning's not an analyst somewhere, he's so good at it, I'm going to feel almost robbed that I'm not hearing from him on football. Now we get the Manning cast and get some of the fun and mix of that, right, all together, But the fact that Nick Saban is doing this, and I think Fox does a great job with their pregame show, and obviously ESPN College Game Day is the standard bearer for those pregame shows, is the original one, and the one that a lot of people are watching. It's great, though, to know that when big things happen, I mean, think about Connor Stallions in Michigan this past year. When a story like that breaks, we're all going to get a soundbite and a quote and a thought from Nick Saban that Saturday morning, and we know that dude's going to put a ton of thought into it and a ton of research into whatever he's saying. So I feel like I'm not being robbed because of that, because we get him every Saturday. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the other uh, the other competition, if you will, for Saturday mornings, and we've seen the ratings slip in years past with game day. I think if they bring in Nick Saban, it's probably almost as great as a business deal as McAfee himself. I think it would be great for ratings, as you mentioned, to be able to get almost an unfiltered Saban, I would hope, you would get like his full Nick Saban, like prowess on the subject. I think it'd be great for college football. I I think honestly, the pregame college football pregame show scene has never been better because both Fox's big noon kickoff, they're getting huge ratings and ESPN college game day is not going down either. There were weeks with the Deion Sanders storyline, you know, the one where they're both there, uh, but where big noon kickoff is in Boulder and ESPN's not, and you see huge ratings there. I think it's a good time to be in that business regardless. And certainly for Nick Saban, uh, if not the commissioner of college football, he needs to have a seat at the table 
in discussions about what is next and what rules make sense. Speaking of what rules make sense, Clay Travis is going to come up here in about 10 minutes where we'll get into this, this ruling in court about the NCAA in the states of Tennessee and Virginia. That's coming up a little bit later. Talking about NIL, Kelly, EA Sports, college football, coming back this year. The plan is they will pay every player in Division I college football $600 and send them a copy of the game in order for them to have their name, image, and likeness on the game. And they will update all their info from the bio, uh, from, the, from the website, team's roster, everything else. Is that a good deal for these players? I think this is tough, right? Because I'm like, if you ask me of all time, what is my favorite NCAA game? I'm still saying 2004. And that was like the ultimate. I remember getting a PlayStation in college and being ecstatic that I had like three or four games. I'm pretty sure I used student loan money to buy it, but I digress. Sold some books, sold your books when you got done with the semester and then went and bought a PlayStation. Awesome. And whenever we had people over, you always wanted to play. And, you know, there was no names on the back of the jerseys. There were some hacks. Apparently, I never figured them out where you could alter certain players and add names. Look, $600 is not a lot of money. But also, we're talking how many college football players that are going to be in this game, right? Several thousand. And your EA Sports is looking to try to find something in the middle. Of course, there's going to be those big name players that think that they're worth a lot more. From my understanding, those guys will be able to opt out, correct? Yeah. No, they, no one has to do this. And EA Sports said there's going to be certain players we partner with on a bigger NIL st- st- standpoint that's going to endorse the game and get more money. So I, I think for like 95% of college football, this makes sense. But for the top quarterbacks top players at some of the top programs yeah they're probably going to have an agent or someone go to ea and say cut me in a little bit more and you'll get the rights to my name image likeness that makes sense and 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 i think that's probably correct but look if i'm like the long snapper at the university of ohio i'm asking them for a 599 check no 1099 you can use whatever what li- name image and likeness of me you want can you imagine being the walk-on that earns their way to a scholarship and you're just on special teams, like you mentioned, and you get this news? I mean, this is a pain. That is a big deal. I used it to, is. It's a big deal to a lot of these guys. Yeah, I used to sell plasma in college just to have, like, bar money, you know, on, on the weekend. And to imagine all of a sudden getting a $600 check in a free EA Sports college football game, I mean, sign me up. You know, for for a lot of these kids, it's just the top. It's the top one or two percent, I think, that's going to say, "I want more." Maybe a couple teams band together and say, "You're going to have to give us a little bit more in order to get the rights to it." I, I, it's, I'm fascinated to see how all of this plays out, Kelly. I'm fascinated to see how Chad Powers, the television series on Hulu, is going to play out. I love Glenn Powell. He was terrific in Top Gun Maverick. I have not seen the rom-com he's done with Sydney Sweeney. Very interested in Sydney Sweeney. Big fan of her work in, in a lot of ways. Have not yet seen the film. I've not heard good things about the movie. Uh, but they are, I believe, now dating. And now Glenn Powell goes from that to portraying Eli Manning's fake walk-on character from Eli's Places on ESPN+. So Glenn Powell playing a washed-up quarterback that is trying to regain his glory on another team 
Um, this to me is totally feast or famine. Like this is going to go. This is there's no middle ground here. This is either going to be the next Ted Lasso and be a huge hit and a critical darling and win awards, or it's going to be one of the worst comedies that we've ever seen, and it's not going to work at all. I'm going to watch, by the way, the description, the official description was released today, is that when bad behavior nukes hotshot quarterback Russ Holiday, played by Powell, his college career, he disguises himself and walks onto a struggling Southern football team as the talented and affable Chad Powers. Kelly, will you be watching this program? I certainly will be. Uh, well, first and foremost, I don't have ESPN Plus or Hulu, so that would require me to subscribe to yet another subscription service. Uh, maybe I'll borrow a friend's login and check it out. Look, I'm a big Eli Manning fan. That little 30-minute sketch was absolutely, utterly hilarious. He, I think Peyton gets a lot of uh, the press. Peyton's the, the older brother. He's a, not as technically acclaimed, but close enough. But Eli's kind of the uh, he's, dorky. He's more acclaimed. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. He's more acclaimed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I still I still have to give Eli a little bit of credit, mostly the defense, uh, for beating Tom Brady a couple of times. But I do think that he kind of gets pushed a little to the wayside. So I thought that got to showcase just a little bit more of his personality. Now, to have an entire series in a spinoff, we're going to find out. But yeah, as a football fan, especially during what I would call the downtime that I'm going to have between April and August, when I get to casually start working on college football, win totals, NFL, things of that nature. Like after March madness, you got to have something to do. And last year I binge watched the entire Ted Lasso series. And as somebody who doesn't really care about soccer, I really enjoyed it. Good. Yeah, no, it's, I, I like Ted Lasso also. And I think that's the ceiling. Like, that's the goal for this show is someone saw this because Ted Lasso initially sounded like a ridiculous idea. It was Jason yes. Sudeikis in an NBC Sports promo, and this sounds like a ridiculous idea. Eli Manning in a bit for a reality TV series on ESPN Plus now becoming a show. I am with you, by the way. Eli does not get enough credit for how funny he is also and how good he is on television. He's great with Peyton on that. Uh, I'll definitely be tuning in. Funny enough, I, we interviewed Glenn Powell at the Super Bowl in Miami one year on, on Radio Row. He was walking around with Monica Barbaro, who is uh, the female pilot in Top Gun Maverick, one of his co-stars, and was one of the nicest dudes. Uh, was like handing out waters to people on Radio Row. And he's got charisma. He definitely has that oh, star great. power ability, but super nice guy when we had a chance to interview him. Uh, Clay Travis, we'd say he's a super nice guy. Some wouldn't. Kelly and I would agree that he's a super nice guy. Nice enough to join us when we come back. Clay, former lawyer, legal expert. He's going to tell us all about this ruling in the Eastern District of Tennessee against the NCAA. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
We are back. Fast-moving day here on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. I am live, downtown Nashville, Tennessee, 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Moonshine, and Yeehaw Beer. Kelly in Vegas. Kelly Stewart, kind enough to guest co-host today. She joins us uh, live wherever she is right now in her home. Clay Travis also right now uh, live with us from his home. Big news of the day dropping right as we went on air today. Tennessee and Virginia win their temporary injunction in the Eastern District of Tennessee with Judge Clifton Corker, which means the NCAA can no longer do anything in regards to NIL. Clay Travis on with us right now. Clay, first off, thanks for taking the time to hop on with us. And just how big is this story and how big of a blow is this for the NCAA? Well, first of all, not only am I coming on with you, um, I also booked the attorney generals of Tennessee and Virginia who actually won this ruling to both be on uh, the show with you at uh, 440 Central, 540 Eastern. So love that. Don't screw Can't it up. wait to talk to him. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So don't screw that up. You got two powerful legal, uh, uh, you know, uh, geniuses right now based on the way that they won this case against the NCAA. Um, look, I, I said that I thought this would happen. The NCAA doesn't have the ability to restrict NIL deals. That's effectively anywhere in the country based on what this judge's ruling uh, shows. And let me kind of take you into a backstory, but I'll start and try to sum it up really succinctly. Um, I thought the Attorney General of Tennessee, Jonathan Skirmetti, did a really good job um, as uh, at making the case near the end of the hearing that they had recently in the Eastern District of Tennessee, um, he said to the NCAA, you would never do for your television contracts what you're demanding that all of these athletes do. And the way he summed it up, he said, the NCAA doesn't decide, hey, uh, we're going to pick a television network partner without knowing what the television network partner is going to pay. They go out to everybody and they get as much money as they possibly can by having everybody bid for the product that they're selling. And really what the NCAA was trying to say was you can only take NIL money after you pick the school that you want to go to. So you can't go visit Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State and Tennessee and UCLA and USC and uh, say to them, okay, what do you think my labor's worth? You have to pick the school, and then you ask them what they're willing to pay for you. And that was the NCAA argument, in essence. And this circuit court, this uh, federal district court judge said, that's not permissible. Uh, these athletes have the right to negotiate and find out what their fair market value is. This is an antitrust violation. And trying to restrict it or punish it in any way is not allowed in the United States. And so this is about as debilitating of a, uh, of a, of a destruction as the NCAA could take in the NIL universe. And this came really, I think, because Tennessee called the NCAA's bluff. Uh, there are reports that the NCAA has been looking into NIL deals uh, at, at different schools all over the country, and they were threatening that they were going to levy some form of punishment. They'd already done it 
against Florida State. I know they're investigating Florida. Uh, the reality is they're investigating probably everywhere because there are hundreds of millions of dollars being paid to players under NIL. Uh, and so uh, the uh, Tennessee called the NCAA's bluff, said, we don't believe you have the authority to uh, levy any punishments here, and we're going to go get a court ruling making that clear. Uh, and now the NCAA has lost and the states of Tennessee and Virginia have won. But this also frees up every university in every state uh, to be doing their own NIL deals. And ultimately, you haven't asked this yet, but where I think this is going is some form of uh, there's going to have to be some form of union representing all of these different players, because the only way you can restrict payment is through a collective bargaining agreement, which is a exception to antitrust law that allows you to uh, restrict compensation because if the players bargain for it, uh, then it means that they're getting things in exchange for what would otherwise be a restraint or restriction on their ability to make money. And usually what happens is players that aren't as good get their salaries elevated and the best players get their salaries lowered. So that is, in essence, I think, where we're going to eventually end up, how long that's going to take, what it's going to look like, all of those different moving parts still to be determined. But in the meantime, we're going to be in sort of the wild west era of NCAA athletics, what I would refer to as the Berlin Wall coming down. And uh, and suddenly, if you remember, like back in the day, you could sell your kidney uh, and you could sell like a nuclear warhead. Um, when the Berlin Wall came down and communism fell, uh, there was no restriction on capitalism at all. They went from no market at all to a completely unfettered, unregulated market. Um, and I would argue that's somewhat analogous to what we're seeing in college athletics right now. Yeah, the sort of old school, what we'd call the black market of college sports is now the open market. And the NCAA can do nothing about it. Clay Travis with us right now on Hot Mike. So, Clay, we know what this means moving forward for the NCAA. They can't do anything in regards to NIL. What does this do now to undermine the NCAA and what they've done in the past? And I'm talking about recent past. You mentioned Florida State. They've got a coach suspended for the start of the season. They've got sanctions that have already been handed out. Do they now negate those in regards to NIL because they drove some recruit to go see a collective? Does Florida just say, get off our campus don't interview anyone. The investigation is over. Does this do anything retroactively with what the NCAA has been working on with all these other investigations? Yeah, they're, they're, they're dead on arrival. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, for instance, what Florida State's going to say because they entered into a relatively minor punishment, I think, for their NIL violation. But if I'm Representing the University of Florida right now, there's been a report that they're looking into what happened with their Jaden Rashada, who is a, uh, a star quarterback recruit uh, that I think ended up, where did he end up? Arizona State, if I'm not mistaken, but initially committed to Miami, then committed to Florida, and then ends up at Arizona State. Like all of that has been, I think, um, you know, kind of the, the way that that's been trending. But basically, this. Uh, if there is any investigation that is taking place, I, again, in all 50 states, the NCAA does not have the ability right now 
uh, to enforce their NIL rules to the extent that they exist at all. And as part of a larger context, um, I, I think what they represent is uh, that we are headed um, towards, uh, again, some form of resolution that is still years away, probably. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, there is no restriction able. Uh, it's, it's basically an open marketplace for everybody to go to wherever they think is the, is the highest bidder. Clay, do you think that this opens um, – this speeds up the process of Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti that have already formed this alliance, partnership, whatever you want to call it, association. Does this speed up the process of the SEC and the Big Ten, Ten taking control of college football and just allowing whoever else they want to play to play because someone is going to have to emerge from the rubble of all of this? Well, at some point, there has to be a governing body. Um, what that governing body looks like, I think, remains to be seen. Exactly how college athletics is structured remains to be seen, too. And let's also keep in mind, because there's been a lot of discussion about this associated with, for instance, the EA uh, college football game. Most players across all of college athletics do not have much value. They're actually getting more for their scholarship than they would be worth on the open market. And it's important to note, NIL was initially um, created not to pay players to play, but the idea was, hey, if, uh, if, I don't know, Caleb Williams wants to make money from Wendy's and Wendy's wants to pay him, as I'm sure a lot of people have seen those ads, then he should be able to do that. Uh, but the reality is, NIL is being applied in college athletics basically as a pay-for-play system. And I think this is a broken system in general right now uh, because think about how crazy this is. Basically what you're getting is there are tens of millions of dollars in revenue brought in for major college athletic programs. And instead of that money going, you know, when you buy a ticket to go watch a team play in major college football, um, that money actually goes to the athletic department. And then they're asking random people out there to pay the salaries of the players. When you go to an NFL football game, uh, the money that you pay for a ticket is going to the players, right? Like there's no professional sports league where they say, Hey, we got to make sure the players get paid, give us money so we can go get better players. Right. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but that's the system that's in place right now in college football. I don't know how long it will last, uh, but I feel like it's going to uh, to be gone sooner rather than later. Kelly, you got anything? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, Clay, what happens when the bottom falls out, right? You mentioned people like me, right? I am a, a diehard Kansas State fan. And that's exactly what happens. I, I'm getting hit up. You got to donate to the NIL. Okay, I'll do my part. All right, I'll buy season tickets and give them away online. I'll do all the things that I can. But eventually the cream rises to the top. And that is programs with major donor money. Texas A&M, Texas come to mind. Alabama now, Tennessee, maybe even... You know, a Vanderbilt. I know that uh, that Chad has some things to say about that later on in the show, but where some of these schools just have ungodly amounts of money, and that's always been the fear of the smaller schools that don't. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're hitting on is the flaw in the NIL system in general. 
Um, and that is that, and heck, I think there's a story out today, if I'm not mistaken, that somebody who loves St. John's basketball has given a massive amount to St. John's to allow Rick Pitino to go out and basically have almost unlimited resources to be able to get the best players. And inevitably, I think this was going to be exploited um, at some point. And I've used this as an example before. Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple now. Um, he's worth billions of dollars. Uh, he is a huge Auburn fan. He went to the university uh, back in the day, uh, and, uh, and he loves, obviously, uh, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, everything else. What happens when a billionaire gives a billion dollars to an NIL collective and just says, just says I want to buy the best players every year? Well, I mean, in theory, somebody like Tim Cook could give a billion dollars to Auburn and just based off the interest from that billion dollars, they could go out and sign the 25 best college football players nearly in America. They could go out and sign the four or five best basketball players uh, nearly in America and nobody else would be able to compete. And that's why, honestly, salary caps exist because there was a fear and there has long been a fear that if you didn't have a salary cap, that the richest owner would just go out and buy up all of the best players. That's why the NBA and the NFL and the NHL all have salary caps. Now, baseball doesn't have one, uh, and it's kind of fascinating because you've had a bunch of billionaires come in. The Mets last year is a great example. Spend money like crazy and still not be able to win necessarily a championship. So, um, I, I don't know the answer, but that is to me, Kelly, where this is headed and why on some level these guys need to become employees and we need to have a salary cap in place um, in order to kind of keep an even playing field. Because remember, ultimately sports is unique. The goal in most of business is to put your competitor out of business. Like Walmart wanted Kmart to go out of business because it made Walmart more successful. The goal in sports is to create the best possible competition. The best business is games that are somewhat even and people care about. So if you only had three or four teams that could win every year, then it would destroy the underlying business of college football and basketball in general. So that's why I think we're sort of in this strange interregnum while we wait to see what the ultimate result is going to be. And to me, the solution is the players have to become, um, have to become employees and there has to be a salary cap and the big 10 and the SEC would run uh, that league. Uh, however, it might look going forward. Clay, it's a huge story. Uh, we appreciate you hopping on again. And also thanks for uh, hooking us up with Jason, uh, Jonathan Skirmetti, Attorney General of Tennessee, and Jason Mariahs. Hope I pronounced that right. I'll get Mariahs, my... yes. Yeah. Gen Jason Mariahs and Jonathan Skirmetti are going to be on with you in about an hour. Um, Kelly, keep up the good work. You guys keep up the good work. But, yeah, it's a huge story about where we're going on a foundational level on college yeah. athletics. They'll be with us in 30 minutes, and I appreciate it, Clay, uh, for setting that up, and we'll uh, do a great job with it. And I was close enough on the pronunciation, but I'll definitely have it right in 32 minutes <laughs> when he joins us. Clay, have a great weekend, man. Thanks for hopping on. Hey, appreciate you all. Thanks a lot. All right, Clay Travis on with us here on Hot Mike. Big story of the day again, the states of Tennessee and Virginia winning their injunction against the NCAA. 
We'll talk to the attorney generals of both Tennessee and Virginia that defeated the NCAA coming up in 30 minutes. Coming up in four minutes, we're going to talk some NBA with an NBA player. Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic coming up next. This is Hot Mike across the Outkick Network.